Good morning. It's great to be here with you this morning. Uh, my name is Pastor Kurt, and um, it is the, almost the last day of January. Not my particularly favorite month, so I'm a little happy to watch it go. Um, but we are almost through with January, and um, it hasn't been too cold, so not, not too bad. But I'm glad that uh, you've decided to join us here this morning. Uh, welcome. And as we start off this morning, I'm going to do a little poll, okay? Now, your answers are very important here, okay? Now, what I want to ask is this participation thing here. What I want to ask is, do you prefer Pepsi or Coke? All right? So, raise your hand if you prefer Pepsi, Okay. All right. Okay. All right. You're my. You're all my new best friends. <laughs> Raise your hand if you prefer Coke. Oh man, I'm sorry. I'm. I'm sorry. I. I. I'll still love you. It's okay. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> so, out of those that raised your hands for Pepsi. Whoever wants it the most, I'd like to come up here and get it. Or Adam will come up and get it and bring it to you. <laughs> Raise your hand if you want the Pepsi. Oh, man, you don't have to drink it now. Okay, all right, thank you. I expect everyone to rush based on the hands on this one. All right. Who wants the Coke? Come and get it. Oh, man, Harry's fast. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I wanted to, to share that with you this morning, not just to say that Pepsi's better. I didn't want to just say that. But I wanted to share that one of the things that in my life that's been essentially my vice um, it's not been smoking cigarettes or drinking alcohol. It's been drinking Pepsi. And anybody that knows me knows my love for Pepsi. All right. And so there was a time actually in my late 20s where I actually quit drinking Pepsi for like a month. And you know what was interesting? I lost 11 pounds. And my wife looks at me as she's eating her salad and drinking her water. Really? 11 pounds versus quitting Pepsi? That was at 28. At 43, it's a little different. I can't just quit Pepsi. I got to quit some other things if I uh, want to lose weight. But I have managed to learn um, to not drink Pepsi all the time. Uh, there's ways in which I've managed to not do that, and that's a goal that I've had. Um, the excess sugar causes me actual physical pain uh, due to my Lyme disease, so it's not good for me. Um, so I believe that's under control. So we're on the final week of this change series, and I was thinking there may be some people here that are wondering throughout the past week, oh, I hope we're not having another week on change Perhaps because you set out three weeks ago 
to make a change. And maybe that change has fallen by the wayside already. Because you know what? There was a poll that was done by one poll where they discovered that February 1st is the official day of resolution quitting. It's official. The official day of resolution quitting is February 1st, which is this week. Which means by Wednesday, many people will have quit. We committed to making change in our life, whether it was physical, our physical health, our spiritual life, our family life, or even our social life. Three weeks ago, we believed those things mattered and were worth pursuing change. Why did most of us give up so quickly? Some say it's because of lack of discipline, busy schedules, or lack of ability to see things through. Regardless, many give up on changes they've committed to make by this point in the year. I've spent most of my life working in um, mental health, and, but I've also spent a lot of, I spent some time of that working as a corrections officer here in Wyoming County. Later on, I worked as a therapist in the jail. And you know, I'm not sure, I'm not sure I was all that good at making sure everything was secure. And I was often spend a lot of time talking to the inmates. I'd hear their story, I'd problem solve with them, and what, what next steps they can make um, so that they wouldn't return to going to jail. During that time, I also worked at the counseling center, so I'd encourage follow-up with those that had mental health concerns, encouraging them to follow up with mental health treatment. And I would say probably one out of 10 would follow up with mental health treatment following their departure from jail. The reality is that we all need help at some point in our lives, and we cannot do it alone. When we fail, we must be willing to try again but also willing to allow others to help. After all, life is better connected. In the book of Lamentations, we have a gut-wrenching series of poems by a man walking in the streets of Jerusalem after it had been destroyed. He laments over the sin, over the, the sin of the Israelites, and he laments over the barren land and the destruction. He weeps for the city, and he cries for the people. Jeremiah is called the weeping prophet because he continually gives warning to God's people, and they refuse to change. In chapter 3, Jeremiah laments, expressing his physical and emotional misery. He feels cut off from God and feels that God does not even hear him. So I'm going to go through and read from Lamentations 3, the first 18 verses, what I want you to do is just is to listen and, and feel where he's coming from, some of the emotions he's experiencing. I am the one who has seen the affliction that comes from the rod of the Lord's anger. He has led me into the darkness, shutting out all light. He has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and surrounded me with anguish and distress. He has buried me in a dark place like those long dead. He has walled me in and I cannot escape. 
He has bound me in heavy chains. And though I cry and shout, he has shut out my prayers. He has blocked my way with a high stone wall and has made my road crooked. He has dragged me off the path. Or he has hidden, <laughs> he has hidden like a bear or lion waiting to attack. He has dragged me off the path and torn me in pieces, leaving me helpless and devastated. <clears throat> he has drawn his bow and made me the target for his arrows. He has shot his arrows deep into my heart. My own people laugh at me. All day long they sing their mocking songs. He has filled me with bitterness and given me a cup of sorrow to drink. He has made me chew on gravel. He has rolled me in the dust. Peace has been stripped away. I have forgotten what prosperity is. I cry out, my splendor is gone. Everything I hoped for from the Lord is lost. What's the sense of what you're feeling from this prophet Jeremiah right now? Desperation. Bitterness. Exaggeration. Frustration are just a few of the words that may describe how the prophet Jeremiah is feeling. You see, because when we get to a low point, when we work hard for something and it does not work out, when we truly desire something and it feels hopeless, like it will never happen, we may express words like Jeremiah here. We may even say things to others like, you don't even understand, or you have no idea, because others have not walked the frustrating journey with you. But God knows, and he understands. Just because we don't understand why something has happened or why we failed does not mean that God is not faithful. It just means that he has allowed these things into our life for a reason. A reason that may, we may never know, but we put our faith in him nonetheless. Let's continue on in, in uh, Lamentations 3, verses 19 and 20. The thought of my suffering and homelessness is bitter beyond words. I will never forget this awful time as I grieve over my loss. You can feel the agony in his words. He will never forget the pain of this loss and failure. Have you ever felt pain like that? It's a type of loss and setback that many would not recover from. But given all that, listen to this. Verse 21. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Let's stop there for a minute. Let's read that again. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. He's not negating the misery of the state that he is in. But he's stopping and he's pivoting right now. He's saying that he is choosing to shift his thinking to what he knows to be true. Remember those verses we read earlier in chapter 3? That seemed so exaggerated. That's common for us to exaggerate our pain when we're focused on it. 
and do something called all or nothing thinking. Consider verse 18. My splendor is gone. Everything I hoped for from the Lord is gone. You see, not every verse in scripture is an example of what we should do. It is there to show us, to teach us something about God or about us. Is that statement that prophet Jeremiah in verse 18, is that a true statement? Of course not. But it's how he feels. And now after expressing it, he is bringing his mindset back to truth. To this day when I hear someone say the Bible's archaic and it's not true to life, I take a look at a passage like this and I say, are you reading the same Bible that I'm reading? This is true to life. And I'm sure some of you are in here today that you can relate to this lament that Jeremiah expressed and the challenge that it is to bring your mindset back onto what is true. Verse 22, Lamentations 3. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy Never ceases. I love that. So one of the reasons for the author's lament here is that due to Israel's repeated disobedience, not heeding the prophet Jeremiah's warning that the city of Jerusalem was destroyed, Jeremiah sees the destruction and he weeps. Can you imagine standing in the middle of an absolute wasteland, knowing it was brought about by your own failure? And the words that come to you are, God's love never ends, and, is mer and he is merciful to us. Clearly, the author understands something beyond what he can see. He understands that his present circumstances aren't the full picture of God's love. If he only ever saw the snapshot of this moment and let that snapshot define who God is, he would never see beyond his present pain and failure. Today, I want to give you three reasons why you too can dare to hope again. Number one, even when we fail, God's love never fails. Even when we fail, God's love never fails. God's love for us is not determined by our performance. We so often rate ourselves on scales. Everyone's got a different scale. But we're judging ourselves and deeming whether we are successful, worthy, whether we are lovable. And it's all based on how well we think we are doing in achieving that particular goal. But that's not how God relates to us. His love for you is not determined by your ability to do good and be good and to try hard. His love for you is determined by his character, not yours. And so even in the discipline Israel received for their sin, it wasn't that God didn't love him, didn't love them anymore, or that his love ran out. It was actually a demonstration that he loved them. If he didn't love him, them and us for that matter, he would let them and us continue to chart the course for destruction. 
Instead, he intervened in discipline. As is good and right for a loving father to do. In hopes that they would turn from their destructive ways and find life. So, it may be something you have failed terribly at. Or you've had multiple failures at small things. God loves you regardless. Does he want you to turn from your sin and trust him? Yes. But that does not change how much he loves you. One small thing that I think about, I know a lot of people have made decisions for different changes this month. But one small thing I think about is our devotion time, our personal time with God that we spend with him each day. And I would say probably 75% of our sermons that we do here Part of the application is to read your Bible. So I think this is important uh, to say this morning. Maybe you've tried the YouVersion Bible app that's been suggested. How many here have ever been working alongside in that Bible app and you get behind and you end up giving up? If you're doing it in a group, you might say, oh, Sally is on schedule She's on day 15 with everyone else in that Bible reading. And I'm only on day four. I'm such a failure. I can never keep up with everyone else. I give up. The same thing could go for your written devotional as well. Maybe you picked up one of those uh, devotionals from the Welcome Center in December, and you're still on December, and it's the end of January. And you're like, oh, I just give up. January's ending and I'm still, I'm still in December. I'm still in the December devotional. I want you to listen to the next words I'm going to say about getting behind in your devotions. Okay? It's revolutionary. Ready? Who cares? It does not matter if you are behind. It is not spiritual to be caught up or... Ha- The date on your devotions matches the current date. You are off the hook. I've done it, by the way. I've quit having that type of thinking, okay? Just so you know. Um, God cares that you are spending time with him. So what if Sally's on day 15 and you're on day four? Seek God with all your heart as you complete day four of that devotional. Because as Winston Churchill says, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Let's see the second reason why we dare to hope. Verse 23 of Lamentations 3 says, Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. Isn't that great? Each morning, his mercies are new. So our second point is that every day is a chance for a reset. I love that. Isn't that great? Like it's just an awful day and everything went wrong and you feel terrible and you just can just like go to bed and the next day is a new morning and God's mercies are new. He'd forgive you at night too, but his mercies are new every morning. 
See, failure is built into growth. Failure is built into growth. I can humbly come before God, confess my sin, and he will forgive me. 1 John 1.9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But sometimes our failure to meet a goal, it's not always an issue of sin. Sometimes there are other things. I have this quote here to share with you about perfectionism. Perfectionism is often seen as a positive trait that increases your chance of success, but it can lead to self-defeating thoughts or behaviors that make it hard to achieve goals. It may cause stress, anxiety, depression, and other mental health issues. Oftentimes, when perfectionism rules in one's heart, failure is not an option. That's a problem. You know why? Because we all fail. So failure is not an option. Man, that's going to shoot that anxiety through the roof, right? We fall short of God's standard for sure. But we certainly fall short of our own self-imposed standards. But scripture tells us this, that new beginning and necessary mercy is waiting for you every morning, right where you are right now. The only place you have to go is to the foot of the cross. To let the mercy, love, kind, the kindness and forgiveness of Jesus wash over your failures and mistakes and to set you on that firm foundation of God's faithful love. So often the answer is not just try harder. The answer is come to Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight says, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Maybe the desire that you've had for change has been so strong, and yet you continue to fall flat on your face. Jesus calls us to come to him. He wants to bear those burdens. You might be saying, but Kurt, you guys are always saying come to Jesus. Like it's something simple to do. Sometimes it requires us to let some things go. Sometimes coming to Jesus might mean letting go of something from your past. Maybe it means letting go of a dream you may be striving for. To grieve that loss. And say, Okay, Jesus, here I am. Do your work in me. Guide me. Help me to know you. If you're really wanting to know the heart of Jesus, seek him with all your heart. But don't do it alone. Do it with other followers of Jesus that are moving in the same direction. The author then says to himself, Jeremiah, in verse 24, I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance, therefore I will hope in him. Because the reality is, even failure can lead us to Jesus. 
Even failure can lead us to Jesus. You see, because God's just not up there waving his hands, demanding we get things perfect. He's waiting for us to recognize that we cannot do it on our own. That we need him. If you're always wondering what three words God might want to hear from you, it's this. I need you. That's what he wants us to say to him. There are many other things that help us to call out in desperation for our Savior. There are not many more than our own failures. Obviously, we can make other choices when we fail. We can choose the perfectionist track, as I mentioned earlier. We can choose to focus on all the negative things about ourselves and go into that all-or-nothing thinking. I will always fail. I'm such a loser. I'll never amount to anything. We can even go the other way and play the blame game. In Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, when Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he blamed God and the woman. Eve, when she sinned in the garden, she blamed the serpent. So sometimes we can play the blame game. But just imagine that in our failures, if we would fall on our knees and call out in desperation to our Lord. When I thought of that, I, I was thinking of actually Romans chapter 8, verse 26. <clears throat> And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. So maybe there's a point where you come to, where you're coming to Jesus and you're saying, I need you. And you don't even know what to say. But as you come before him and you submit your life to him and as you cry and as you weep for, over whatever failure that has happened, you ask him to come in your life and to help you. Lamentations 3.25. The Lord is good to those who depend on him, to those who search for him. As you search for him, please keep this in mind because this is really important. Sometimes we search for him in hopes he will do something for us. Or he will change our circumstances. The good may not be the change in your circumstances. The good may be the change in you. So certainly pray for the change in the lives of those around you. But the most important change, the change we need to keep, more than anything, is the change that Jesus wants to do in our lives personally. He wants us all to know him so that he can carry us through whatever we're going through in our lives. Remember, as we seek to be more like Jesus, we will fail. But his mercies are new every morning. And he loves you and me more than you can possibly imagine. Maybe you came in here today and you're ready to give up the fight against a particular sin. Use today as a new start. Confess your sin before God. Go to your small group leader. Talk to myself or Adam or the person that brought you here today. But don't go at it alone. Maybe you came here today and you're ready to give up on your marriage. 
I have watched God change marriages. But I've also watched, watched marriages fall apart. The common denominator is in restored marriages is a person's choice to make Jesus the leader and forgiver in their life. And not just in salvation, but in how they live out each and every day. Maybe you came in here today and you're ready to give up on God or on your own life. Remember, we are not defined by our failures. We serve a God who loves us with a love so intense. If we tried to contain that love in here, in this room, the, the roof would blow off. It's incredible the amount of love that he has for us. You may feel alone right now, but step out. Talk to someone about what you're going through. Find out how to know God in a way that help you overcome your negative thoughts. So we press on and we cling to the promise given in Galatians 6, 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, cannot possibly thank you enough for the free gift of salvation. Thank you, God, for your patience with us. And I pray that each one in here, God, you're working in their heart, that you'd help them to keep this change or to pursue the change that, that you desire for them today, that they would not stop, but they would continue on pursuing after you. We need you, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.